0: chapter 9 part 2 of the origin of species by means of natural selection by charles darwin this librivox recording is in the public domain read for librivox.org by michael armenta reciprocal dimorphism and trimorphism this subject may be here briefly discussed will be found to throw some light on hybridism Several plants belonging to distinct orders present two forms which exist in about equal numbers, and which differ in no respect except in their reproductive organs, one form having a long pistil with short stamens, the other a short pistil with long stamens, the two having differently-sized pollen grains. With trimorphic plants there are three forms likewise differing in the lengths of their pistils and stamens in the size and colour of the pollen-grains, and in some other respects, and as in each of the three forms there are two sets of stamens. The three forms possess together six sets of stamen, and three kinds of pistils. These organs are so proportioned in length to each other that half the stamens in two of the forms stand on a level with the stigma of the third form. Now I have shown, and the result has been confirmed by other observers, that in order to obtain full fertility with these plants it is necessary that the stigma of the one form should be fertilised by pollen taken from the stamens of corresponding height with another form so that with dimorphic species two unions which may be called legitimate are fully fertile and two which may be called illegitimate are more or less infertile with trimorphic species six unions are legitimate or fully fertile, and twelve are illegitimate, or more, or less, infertile. The infertility which may be observed in various dimorphic and trimorphic plants, when they are illegitimately fertilized, that is, by pollen taken from stamens not corresponding in height with the pistil, differs much in degree, up to absolute and utter sterility, just in the same manner as occurs in crossing distinct species as the degree of sterility in the latter case depends in an eminent degree on the conditions of life being more or less favourable so i have found it with illegitimate unions it is well known that if pollen of a distinct species be placed on the stigma of a flower and its own pollen be afterwards even after a considerable interval of time placed on the same stigma its action is so strongly prepotent that it generally annihilates the effect of the foreign pollen. So it is with the pollen of the several forms of the same species. For legitimate pollen is strongly prepotent over illegitimate pollen, and both are placed on the same stigma. I ascertain this by fertilizing several flowers, first illegitimately, and, twenty-four hours afterwards, legitimate, with pollen taken from a peculiarly coloured variety, and all the seedlings were similarly coloured. This shows that the legitimate pollen, though applied twenty-four hours subsequently, had wholly destroyed or prevented the action of the previously applied illegitimate pollen. Again, as in making reciprocal crosses between the same two species, there is occasionally a great difference in the result, so the same thing occurs with trimorphic plants. For instance, the mid-styled form of Lithrum salicaria was illegitimately fertilised with the greatest ease by pollen from the longer stamens of the short-styled form, and yielded many seeds. But the latter form did not yield a single seed when fertilised by the longer stamens of the mid-styled form. In all these respects, and in others which might be added, the forms of the same undoubted species, when illegitimately united, behave in exactly the same manner as do two distinct species when crossed. This led me carefully to observe, during four years, many seedlings raised from illegitimate unions. The chief result is that these illegitimate plants, as may be called, are not fully fertile. It is possible to raise from dimorphic species, both long-styled and short-styled illegitimate plants, and from trimorphic plants, all three illegitimate forms. These can then be properly united in a legitimate manner. When this is done, there is no apparent reason why they should not yield as many seeds as did their parents, when legitimately fertilized. But such is not the case. They are all infertile in various degrees, some being so utterly and incurably sterile that they did not yield during four seasons a single seed, or even seed-capsule the sterility of these illegitimate plants when united with each other in a legitimate manner may be strictly compared with that of hybrids when crossed inter se if on the other hand a hybrid is crossed with either pure parent species the sterility is usually much lessened and so it is when an illegitimate plant is fertilised by a legitimate plant in the same manner as the sterility of hybrids does not always run parallel with the difficulty of making the first cross between the two parent species so that sterility of certain illegitimate plants was unusually great while the sterility of the union from which they were derived was by no means great with hybrids raised from the same seed capsule the degree of sterility is innately variable so it is in a marked manner with illegitimate plants lastly many hybrids are profuse and persistent flowerers while other and more sterile hybrids produce few flowers and are weak, miserable dwarfs. Exactly similar cases occur with the illegitimate offspring of various dimorphic and trimorphic plants. Altogether, there is the closest identity in character and behaviour between illegitimate plants and hybrids. It is hardly an exaggeration to maintain that illegitimate plants are hybrids produced within the limits of the same species, by the improper union of certain forms, while ordinary hybrids are produced from an improper union between so-called distinct species. We have also already seen that there is the closest similarity in all respects between first illegitimate unions and first crosses between distinct species. This will perhaps be made more fully apparent by an illustration. We may suppose that a botanist found two well-marked varieties, and such occur, of the long-styled form of the trimorphic Lythrum salicaria, and that he determined to try by crossing whether they were specifically distinct. He would find that they yielded only about one-fifth of the proper number of seed, and that they behaved, in all the other above-specified respects, as if they had been two distinct species. But to make the case sure, He would raise plants from his supposed hybridized seed, and he would find that the seedlings were miserably dwarfed and utterly sterile, and that they behaved, in all other aspects, like ordinary hybrids. He might then maintain that he had actually proved, in accordance with the common view, that his two varieties were as good and as distinct species as any in the world but he would be completely mistaken. The facts now given on dimorphic and trimorphic plants are important, because they show us, first, that the physiological test of lessened fertility, both in first crosses and in hybrids, is no safe criterion of specific distinction. Secondly, because we may conclude that there is some unknown bond which connects the infertility of illegitimate unions with that of their illegitimate offspring. And we are led to extend the same view to first crosses and hybrids. Thirdly, because we find, and this seems to me of especial importance, that two or three forms of the same species may exist and may differ in no respect whatever, either in structure or in constitution, relatively to external conditions, and yet be sterile when united in certain ways. For we must remember that it is the union of the sexual elements of individuals of the same form, for instance, of two long-styled forms, which result in sterility, while it is the union of the sexual elements proper to two distinct forms which is fertile. Hence the case appears, at first sight, exactly the reverse of what occurs in the ordinary unions of the individuals of the same species, and with crosses between distinct species. It is, however, doubtful whether this is really so, but I will not enlarge on this obscure subject. We may, however, infer, as probable from the consideration of dimorphic and trimorphic plants, that the sterility of distinct species, when crossed, and of their hybrid progeny, depends exclusively on the nature of their sexual elements, and not on any difference in their structure or general constitution. We are also led to the same conclusion by considering reciprocal crosses, in which the male of one species cannot be united, or can be united with great difficulty with the female of a second species, while the converse cross can be effected with perfect facility. That excellent observer, Gartner, Likewise concluded that species, when crossed, are sterile owing to differences confined to their reproductive systems. Fertility of varieties when crossed, and of their mongrel offspring not universal. It may be urged as an overwhelming argument that there must be some essential distinction between species and varieties, inasmuch as the latter however much they may differ from each other in external appearance cross with perfect facility and yield perfectly fertile offspring with some exceptions presently to be given i fully admit that this is the rule but the subject is surrounded by difficulties for looking to varieties produced under nature if two forms hitherto reputed to be varieties be found in any degree sterile together they are at once ranked by most naturalists as species. For instance, the blue and red pimpernel, which are considered by most botanists as varieties, are said to be gardener to be quite sterile when crossed, and he consequently ranks them as undoubted species. If we thus argue in a circle, the fertility of all varieties produced under nature will assuredly have to be granted. If we turn to varieties produced or supposed to have been produced under domestication, we are still involved in some doubt. For when it is stated, for instance, that certain South American indigenous domestic dogs do not readily unite with European dogs, the explanation which will occur to everyone, and probably the true one, is that they are descended from aboriginally distinct species. Nevertheless, The perfect fertility of so many domestic races differing widely from each other in appearance, for instance those of the pigeon or of the cabbage, is a remarkable fact more especially when we reflect how many species there are which, though, resembling each other most closely, are utterly sterile when intercrossed. Several considerations, however, render the fertility of domestic varieties less remarkable. In the first place, it may be observed that the amount of external difference between two species is no sure guide to their degree of mutual sterility, so that similar differences in the case of varieties would be no sure guide. It is certain that with species the cause lies exclusively in differences in their sexual constitution. Now the varying conditions to which domesticated animals and cultivated plants have been subjected have had so little tendency towards modifying the reproductive system in a manner leading to mutual sterility, that we have good grounds for admitting the directly opposite doctrine of palace, namely, that such conditions generally eliminate this tendency, so that the domesticated descendants of species, which, in their natural state, probably would have been, in some degree, sterile when crossed, became perfectly fertile together with plants, so far as cultivation from giving a tendency towards sterility between distinct species, that in several well-authenticated cases already alluded to, certain plants have been affected in an opposite manner, for they have become self-impotent, while still retaining the capacity of fertilizing, and being fertilized by other species. If the Pelasian doctrine of the elimination of sterility through long-continued domestication be admitted and it can hardly be rejected it becomes in the highest degree improbable that similar conditions long-continued should likewise induce this tendency though in certain cases with species having a peculiar constitution sterility might occasionally be thus caused thus as i believe we can understand why with domesticated animals varieties have not been produced which are mutually sterile, and why, with plants, only a few such cases, immediately to be given, have been observed. The real difficulty in our present subject is not, as it appears to me, why domesticated varieties have not become mutually infertile when crossed, but why this has so generally occurred with natural varieties as soon as they have been permanently modified in a sufficient degree to take rank as species. We are far from precisely knowing the cause, nor is this surprising, seeing how profoundly ignorant we are in regard to the normal and abnormal action of the reproductive system. But we can see that species, owing to their struggle for existence with numerous competitors, will have been exposed during long periods of time to more uniform conditions than have domestic varieties, and this may well make a wide difference in the result. For we know how commonly wild animals and plants, when taken from their natural conditions and subjected to captivity, are rendered sterile, and the reproductive functions of organic beings, which have always lived under natural conditions, would probably in like manner be eminently sensitive to the influence of an unnatural cross domesticated productions, on the other hand, which, as shown by the mere fact of their domestication, were not originally highly sensitive to changes in their conditions of life, and which can now generally resist, with undiminished fertility, repeated changes of conditions, might be expected to produce varieties which would be little liable to have their reproductive powers injuriously affected by the act of crossing with other varieties, which had originated in a like manner, I have as yet spoken as if the varieties of the same species were invariably fertile and intercrossed, but it is impossible to resist the evidence of the existence of a certain amount of sterility in the few following cases, which I will briefly abstract. The evidence is at least as good as that from which we believe in the sterility of a multitude of species. The evidence is also derived from hostile witnesses, who, in all other cases, consider fertility and sterility as safe criterions of specific distinction. Gartner kept, during several years, a dwarf kind of maize with yellow seeds, and a tall variety with red seeds growing near each other in his garden, and although these plants have separated sexes, they never naturally crossed. He then fertilized thirteen flowers of the one kind, with pollen of the other, but only a single head produced any seed, and this one head produced only five grains. Manipulation in this case could not have been injurious, as the plants have separated sexes. No one, I believe, has suspected that these varieties of maize are distinct species, and it is important to notice that the hybrid plants, thus raised, were themselves perfectly fertile so that even Gardner did not venture to consider the two varieties as specifically distinct. Garou de Buzerongues crossed three varieties of gourd, which, like the maize, has separated sexes, and he asserts that their mutual fertilization is by so much the less easy, as their differences are greater. How far these experiments may be trusted I know not, but the forms experimented on are ranked by Sagaret who mainly founds his classification by the test of infertility as varieties, and Nowden has come to the same conclusion. The following case is far more remarkable, and seems, at first, incredible. But it is the result of an astonishing number of experiments made during many years on nine species of verbascum, by so good an observer and so hostile a witness as Gartner namely that the yellow and white varieties when crossed produce less seed than the similarly coloured varieties of the same species moreover he asserts that when yellow and white varieties of one species are crossed with yellow and white varieties of a distinct species more seed is produced by the crosses between the similarly coloured flowers than between those which are differently coloured Mr. Scott also has experimented on the species and varieties of verbascum, and although unable to confirm Gardner's results on the crossing of the distinct species, he finds that the dissimilarly coloured varieties of the same species yield fewer seeds, in the proportion of eighty-six to one hundred, than the similarly coloured varieties. Yet these varieties differ in no respect, except in the colour of their flowers and one variety can sometimes be raised from the seed of another. Coleriter, whose accuracy has been confirmed by every subsequent observer, has proved the remarkable fact that one particular variety of the common tobacco was more fertile than the other varieties, when crossed with a widely distinct species. He experimented on five forms which are commonly reputed to be varieties, and which he tested by the severest trial, namely, by reciprocal crosses and he found their mongrel offspring perfectly fertile but one of these five varieties when used either as the father or mother and crossed with the nicotania glutinosa always yielded hybrids not so sterile as those which were produced from the other four varieties when crossed with nicotania glutinosa hence the reproductive system of this one variety must have been in some manner and in some degree modified from these facts it can no longer be maintained that varieties when crossed are invariably quite fertile from the great difficulty of ascertaining the infertility of varieties in a state of nature for a supposed variety if proved to be infertile in any degree would almost universally be ranked as a species from man attending only to external characters in his domestic varieties and from such varieties, not having been exposed for very long periods to uniform conditions of life. From these several considerations, we may conclude that fertility does not constitute a fundamental distinction between varieties and species when crossed. The general sterility of crossed species may safely be looked at not as a special acquirement or endowment but as incidental on changes of an unknown nature in their sexual elements. HYBRIDS AND MONGRELS COMPARED INDEPENDENTLY OF THEIR FERTILITY Independently of the question of fertility, the offspring of species and of varieties when crossed may be compared in several other respects. Gartner, whose strong wish it was to draw a distinct line between species and varieties, could find very few, and, as it seems to me, quite unimportant differences between the so-called hybrid offspring of species, and the so-called mongrel offspring of varieties. And, on the other hand, they agree most closely in many important respects. I shall here discuss this subject with extreme brevity. The most important distinction is that in the first generation, Mongrels are more variable than hybrids, but Gartner admits that hybrids from species which have long been cultivated are often variable in the first generation, and I have myself seen striking instances of this fact. Gartner further admits that hybrids between very closely allied species are more variable than those from very distinct species, and this shows that the difference in the degree of variability graduates away. When mongrels and the more fertile hybrids are propagated for several generations, an extreme amount of variability in the offspring in both cases is notorious, but in some few instances of both hybrids and mongrels long retaining a uniform character could be given. The variability, however, in the successive generations of mongrels is, perhaps, greater than in hybrids. This greater variability in mongrels than in hybrids does not seem at all surprising, for the parents of mongrels are varieties, and mostly domestic varieties, very few experiments having been tried on natural varieties, and this implies that there has been recent variability, which would often continue, and would augment that arising from the act of crossing. The slight variability of hybrids in the first generation in contrast with that in the succeeding generations is a curious fact and deserves attention for it bears on the view which i have taken of one of the causes of ordinary variability namely that the reproductive system from being eminently sensitive to changed conditions of life fails under these circumstances to perform its proper function of producing offspring closely similar in all respects to the parent form Now hybrids in the first generation are descended from species, excluding those long-cultivated, which have not had their reproductive systems in any way affected, and they are not variable. But hybrids themselves have their reproductive systems seriously affected, and their descendants are highly variable. But to return to our comparison of mongrels and hybrids... Gartner states that mongrels are more liable than hybrids to revert to either parent form, but this, if it be true, is certainly only a difference in degree. Moreover, Gartner expressly states that the hybrids from long-cultivated plants are more subject to reversion than hybrids from species in their natural state, and this probably explains the singular difference in the results arrived at by different observers. Thus Max Waitura doubts whether hybrids ever revert to their parent forms, and he experimented on uncultivated species of willows, while Nowden, on the other hand, insists in the strongest terms on the almost universal tendency to reversion in hybrids, and he experimented chiefly on cultivated plants. Gartner further states that when any two species, although most closely allied to each other, are crossed with a third species the hybrids are widely different from each other, whereas if two very distinct varieties of one species are crossed with another species, the hybrids do not differ much. But this conclusion, as far as I can make out, is founded on a single experiment, and seems directly opposed to the results of several experiments made by cole Such alone are the unimportant differences which Gartner is able to point out between hybrid and mongrel plants. On the other hand, the degrees and kinds of resemblance in mongrels and in hybrids to their respective parents, or especially in hybrids produced from nearly related species, follow, according to Gartner, the same laws. When two species are crossed, one has sometimes a prepotent power of impressing its likeness on the hybrid. So I believe it to be with varieties of plants, and with animals, one variety certainly often has this prepotent power over another variety. Hybrid plants produced from a reciprocal cross generally resemble each other closely, and so it is with mongrel plants from a reciprocal cross. Both hybrids and mongrels can be reduced to either pure parent form by repeated crosses in successive generations with either parent these several remarks are apparently applicable to animals but the subject is here much complicated partly owing to the existence of secondary sexual characters but more especially owing to prepotency in transmitting likenesses running more strongly in one sex than in the other both when one species is crossed with another and when one variety is crossed with another variety for instance I think those authors are right to maintain that the ass has a prepotent power over the horse, so that both the mule and the hinny resemble more closely the ass than the horse, but that the prepotency runs more strongly in the male than in the female ass, so that the mule, which is an offspring of the male ass and mare, is more like an ass than is the hinny, which is the offspring of the female ass and stallion much stress has been laid by some authors on the supposed fact that it is only with mongrels that the offspring are not intermediate in character but closely resemble one of their parents but this does sometimes occur with hybrids yet i grant much less frequently than with mongrels looking to the cases which i have collected of cross-bred animals closely resembling one parent the resemblances seem chiefly confined to characters Almost monstrous in their nature, and which have suddenly appeared, such as albinism, melanism, deficiency of tail or horns, or additional fingers and toes, and do not relate to characters which have been slowly acquired through selection. the tendency to sudden reversions to the perfect character of either parent would also be much more likely to occur with mongrels which are descended from varieties often suddenly produced and semi-monstrous in character than with hybrids which are descended from species slowly and naturally produced on the whole i entirely agree with dr prosper lucas who after arranging an enormous body of facts with respect to animals comes to the conclusion that the laws of resemblance of the child to its parents are the same whether the two parents differ little or much from each other namely, in the union of individuals of the same variety, or of different varieties, or of distinct species. Independently of the question of fertility and sterility, in all other respects there seems to be a general and close similarity in the offspring of crossed species and of crossed varieties. If we look at species as having been specially created, and at varieties as having been produced by secondary laws, this similarity would be an astonishing fact. But it harmonizes perfectly with the view that there is no essential distinction between species and varieties. Summary of Chapter First crosses between forms, sufficiently distinct to be ranked as species, and their hybrids, are very generally but not universally sterile. The sterility is of all degrees and is often so slight that the most careful experimentalists have arrived at diametrically opposite conclusions in ranking forms by this test. The sterility is innately variable in individuals of the same species, and is eminently susceptible to action of favourable and unfavourable conditions. The degree of sterility does not strictly follow systematic affinity, but is governed by several curious and complex laws, It is generally different and sometimes widely different in reciprocal crosses between the same two species. It is not always equal in degree in a first cross and in the hybrids produced from this cross. In the same manner as in grafting trees, the capacity in one species or variety to take on another is incidental on differences generally of an unknown nature in their vegetative systems, so in crossing, The greater or less facility of one species to unite with another is incidental on unknown differences in their reproductive systems. There is no more reason to think that species have been specially endowed with various degrees of sterility to prevent their crossing and blending in nature than to think that trees have been specially endowed with various and somewhat analogous degrees of difficulty in being grafted together in order to prevent their inarching in our forests. The sterility of first crosses, and of their hybrid progeny, has not been acquired through natural selection. In the case of first crosses, it seems to depend on several circumstances, in some instances, in chief part, on the early death of the embryo. In the case of hybrids, it apparently depends on their whole organisation having been disturbed by being compounded from two distinct forms, the sterility being closely allied to that which so frequently affects pure species when exposed to new and unnatural conditions of life. He who will explain these latter cases will be able to explain the sterility of hybrids. This view is strongly supported by a parallelism of another kind, namely, that, firstly, Slight changes in the conditions of life add to the vigour and fertility of all organic beings, and, secondly, that the crossing of forms which have been exposed to slightly different conditions of life, or which have varied, favours the size, vigour, and fertility of their offspring. The facts given on the sterility of the illegitimate unions of dimorphic and trimorphic plants, and of their illegitimate progeny, perhaps render it probable that some unknown bond in all cases connects the degree of fertility of first unions with that of their offspring the consideration of these facts on dimorphism as well as the results of reciprocal crosses clearly leads to the conclusion that the primary cause of the sterility of crossed species is confined to differences in their sexual elements but why in the case of distinct species the sexual elements should so generally have become more or less modified, leading to their mutual infertility, we do not know, but it seems to stand in some close relation to species, having been exposed for long periods of time to nearly uniform conditions of life. It is not surprising that the difficulty in crossing any two species and the sterility of their hybrid offspring should in most cases correspond even if due to distinct causes for both depend on the amount of difference between the species which are crossed nor is it surprising that the facility of effecting a first cross and the fertility of the hybrids thus produced and the capacity of being grafted together though this latter capacity evidently depends on widely different circumstances should all run to a certain extent parallel with the systematic affinity of the forms subjected to experiment, for systematic affinity includes resemblances of all kinds. First crosses between forms known to be varieties, or sufficiently alike to be considered as varieties, and their mongrel offspring, are very generally, but not, as is so often stated, invariably fertile nor is this almost universal and perfect fertility surprising when it is remembered how liable we are to argue in a circle with respect to varieties in a state of nature and when we remember that the greater number of varieties have been produced under domestication by the selection of mere external differences and that they have not been long exposed to uniform conditions of life and when we remember that the greater number of varieties have been produced under domestication by the selection of mere external differences, and that they have not been long exposed to uniform conditions of life. It should also be especially kept in mind that long-continued domestication tends to eliminate sterility, and is therefore little likely to induce this same quality, independently of the question of fertility in all other respects there is the closest general resemblance between hybrids and mongrels in their variability, in their power of absorbing each other by repeated crosses, and in their inheritance of characters from both parent forms. Finally, then, although we are as ignorant of the precise cause of the sterility of first crosses and of hybrids as we are why animals and plants, removed from their natural conditions, become sterile, yet the facts given in this chapter do not seem to me opposed to the belief that species aboriginally existed as varieties End of chapter 9 part 2